Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, at that first church. And we saw a church there that really impacts the world. And so we've been looking at it to see what is it that we can learn from that first church. And as we've been looking at the church, there are actually several different marks of, of an empowered church. And we've looked at several of them already. Number one, we looked at a church that was devoted to the Word of God. When we talk about a church being devoted to the Word, let me remind you of something here. We're not talking about a church that simply just says that we believe in the Bible. The emphasis of the passage when it says a church devoted to the Word of God, it means the individuals who make up the church are themselves devoted to the Word of God. You understand what I mean by that? I mean it is that you hold the Word of God as being precious and that it is important for your life and you become a man or woman of the Word of God. That's what makes a church great. It's not so much that we say we stand on the Bible, it's that you stand on the Bible in your life and you apply it and you read it and you allow it to take root in your life. And so that's what we saw with that aspect. Then last week we saw that not only were they that first mark devoted to the Word of God, they were devoted to each other. We saw that it was a community of devotion. It was a community where they dwelt with understanding and they encouraged each other and were there for each other. And that was the second mark. Today we're going to get into the third mark of an empowered church. And I think it's so important. It's the issue of worship. Look with me at what he says in Acts chapter 2. The writer Luke, as he records the events of that day, says in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread. Now, just so you understand, the breaking of bread refers to the Lord's table. So they had a, com- they had a determined commitment to worshiping Christ and His sacrifice at the Lord's table. And so what I want you to see is, is that what was going on in that church was is that when they worshipped, it was cross-centered. The focus of their worship was not that they could come and have a good time, not that they could come and enjoy the music, not that they could just get some warm, tingly feelings up and down their spine and have goosebumps all over their arms. And, and you know, those kind of things can happen in worship, and that's fine, but that's not their purpose. Their purpose was to center in their worship on the cross and on Jesus. That's where their worship was. In fact, I'm going to give you a definition of worship. I'm going to tell you what it's not, and I'm going to tell you what it is. And you may want to write this down. Worship is not an action. Okay. First of all, worship is not an action. Because we could say, well, I'm coming to worship God today. And that usually reflects an action, you doing something. Worship, my friends, is not an action. Here's what it is. Worship is a reflection of your heart. You understand what I'm saying? See, because you could come in here and not be worshiping. You could come in here, just be singing the songs, listening to a sermon, and not, it, it not be worship at all. 
Because worship is not an action. Worship is a reflection of your heart. And see, this is why I have to tell you that all worship has to be what? Cross-centered. All worship has to be focused on the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I because if it's a reflection of my heart, then I'm going to be thankful for the salvation that He gave me. I'm going to be thankful for the sacrifice that He made on the cross for me. And it's going to be reflected in my heart. And then, you know what? Then it results in actions. Then it results in that. So worship is not an action. Worship is a reflection of your heart. That's so important for you to to understand. In fact, you hear people say things like this. You know, I've been in a lot of churches and I've preached in a lot of churches. And, and you'll hear people say, Oh, wasn't the worship so wonderful there today? What are they usually talking about when they say that? Anybody, what are they talking about? The music or the voices together. You know what? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the music. We're not talking about the voices together. But we are talking about the voices together. We're talking about, because when they usually say that, they're not talking about, wasn't that a good reflection of people's hearts? Because that's what worship is. Worship is a reflection of the heart. So we're going to talk about that because, look, if we're going to be the church that God calls us to be, and if we're going to, if we're going to exhibit those marks of an empowered church, we're not just going to be people who are devoted to His Word. We're not just going to be people who are devoted to each other. We're going to be people who really worship God from the heart. And it's a response to what Jesus did. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to, okay, you can flip over now to 1 Corinthians because it talks about the breaking of bread here. Obviously, they're talking about the Lord's table. And the Lord's table, let me just remind you, is the ultimate act of worship. When you and I come to the Lord's table, it is the ultimate act of worship. It is the means by which we show appreciation for what Jesus did for us. And so there are some instructions here and some things that Paul is saying that will help us in worship in other areas of our lives. What do you mean other areas of our lives? John MacArthur, pastor out in California, wrote a book, oh, probably about 20 years ago, called True Worship. And in the book he said that worship is reflected inwardly, outwardly, and upward. Inward, outward, and upward. You may want to write that down. Worship is inward, my attitudes, my demeanor. I worship God with with the way I think. It's, It's a reflection of your heart. I worship God outwardly with my actions towards others. So let me ask you a question. How's your worship been this week? Your actions towards others are a form of worship. And then worship is upward. See, we always think of it in terms of upward, my attitude and my actions towards God. But worship is reflected inwardly in my life, outwardly in my actions towards others, and worship is reflected upwardly towards God. And that's what he's saying. So when we look at this passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to talk about worship and the worship of the Corinthians and the problems they were having. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the wrong approach to worship, We're going to talk about how we can be wrong in our approach to worship. And then we're going to talk about not just the wrong approach, but we're going to look at the focus of true worship. If we're going to really worship God, we've got to have a right focus. And we're going to see the lessons we can learn from that. So let's look, first of all, 
Look with me, verse 17, we're going to go down through verse 26. The Apostle Paul writes, Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. There must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said... Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. First of all, let's look at their approach. The first thing Paul tells them in verse 17 is, is that their approach, their approach to worship was wrong. Their approach to worship was wrong. Look what he says there specifically. He says that when they gather together, since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. See, it was not, when they got together, it wasn't for what was good, it was actually for what was bad. And that can, that's something here. You can come into a place and show up for worship, supposedly, worship in the doing something sense, and your whole reason is completely wrong rather than right. Your whole reason is completely wrong rather than right. See, here's the thing. This is what I wanted to get, it to, get you to understand. Listen to me. We have reduced worship down so much to an action it's, to us, it's just simply attending church and attending a service and singing. You know what I mean by that? You, we have reduced the whole issue of being a worshiping church to, to just basically focus on, on our services. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's actually going to t- explain to us here that there were several things that they were doing that was wrong in their approach. Worship is my heart attitude. Listen to what I'm saying. Worship is my heart attitude. So if I come in here with a wrong heart attitude, what's my worship going to be like? It's going to stink. In fact, let me just point something out to you. Remember I said earlier that sometimes people will say, oh, wasn't that wonderful worship? That was our assessment of it. But let me just say something. If everybody walked in here with an attitude... If everybody's carrying some kind of a bad thing on their heart, and their heart isn't actually in the right place, and even though the, the harmony was great, even though the music was great, even though the hair stood up on the back of your neck because the music was wonderful, if you're here with a wrong attitude, it doesn't matter what the worship sounded like, it stunk. Bottom line, it wasn't right. Because worship is not an action. Worship is a reflection of the heart. And let's be honest. You say, well, you mean you mean you could act that way and nobody know that you're, that you're carrying grudges and stuff like that and your attitude's not right? Yeah, we do it all the time with each other, don't we? 
we wear masks with each other and act like everything's okay, we do the same thing with God. See, worship, their worship was wrong. They, they approached their worship with a wrong attitude. Now, let's talk about those attitudes. Several things come out of here. First of all, verse 18 through 19, look at what it says. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. There must also be factions among you. First thing I want you to see is this. They carried their grudges as they worshipped. They carried their grudges as they worshipped. Let me just talk about the Corinthian church. We already know if you read through 1 Corinthians, at the very first part of 1 Corinthians, they had some disputes going on. They had some divisions going on in the midst of the church. And they were divided. They, they were actually in factions. One person said, well, I like Paul. The other person said, I like Peter. And the other person said, I like Apollos. And then the really spiritual people were saying, well, we follow Jesus. And so they had attitudes. And when they came together for to celebrate the Lord's table, to express true worship, those things were carried into that time at the table. Their attitudes were very evident there. They were wrong. They carried their grudges. They had issues towards each other. Not just just grudges, not just issues based upon divisions. They maybe carried grudges towards people based upon who they were. Because notice what it says, factions. The connotation there is that maybe they had an attitude because, well, I don't really want to hang out with the people on that side of the room because they live in the wrong place. Or, I don't like those people over there because of where they work. Their prejudice is coming into play. And see, and they carried all of that into worship, and Paul said, that is wrong. You guys aren't here for the good, you're here for the bad. And you can carry your grudges. And listen to to what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew, again, the whole issue of worship, when he talked about us carrying our grudges, listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. This is Jesus. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, what's that? An act of worship. And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. He says, what, what is he saying here? Just drop your worship. Don't even continue worshiping. And look at what he says. And go your way. First be reconciled. That is, get whatever it is that's causing the problem settled. And then notice what he says. And then come and offer your gift. And then come and worship. Why? Because remember what I said. Worship is a reflection of what? My heart. And if my heart's not right because I'm angry at somebody, if my heart's not right because I've got prejudice and I'm, I'm, I've got an attitude towards people, how can I truly worship then? Because my heart's not consumed with God. My heart's consumed with what? My problem. Or that person. Let me, let me bring it down to everybody a level that everybody understands. How many of you, it only happens on Sunday morning. You ever notice on Sunday morning you're getting ready for church? And it just breaks loose in the house. How many of you had that experience at home? Raise them up high. Okay, and I want everybody to look around. You're not the only one who goes through it, okay? It breaks loose in the house. And here's what happens. Usually happens is, you know, we're getting pressure. We've got to get moving and let's get there. And, 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 and after a while, you could develop an attitude. You could develop an attitude. You could say, well, you didn't get the kids moving quick enough. And, well, you didn't help. Am I, am, I, am I relating to people here? We're going to be late. Well, it's your fault. And then you drive here and it's like, how come you keep hitting all the potholes? 
How come you keep bothering me while I'm driving? You know, and, and, and what can happen is, is there's a conflict that arises right there, and then you come in, and you what? We're here to worship. But can you? Let me tell you something. Our relationship with God is affected by our relationship with others. Bottom line. Over and over, the Bible says very clearly, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear my prayers. He says this to husbands in First Peter. Peter says this, Husbands, if you don't treat your wives right, I will not hear your prayers. Ladies are going, yeah. Well, no, wait a minute now. There are other passages where he talks about you, ladies. See, you've got to be right with someone else. You know, there are times when, you know, in a normal relationship, even like with Lori and I, where we might have a little tiff, and there might be an agreement, and I'll come up to the office, and I'll try to sit down, and I'll try to write a message and, and try to study. And Lori will tell you, that a lot of times I'll just come right back down with my head hung and said, I can't write a message until we're right. We've got to settle this until we're right. I can't write this message. Why? Because as long as I'm harboring something, I can't worship Him. You see, my, see the, the focus here? The wrong approach, my friends, the wrong approach is to carry grudges. That is, that is so. Here's the other thing. Look at verse 19. Actually, Verse 19, he says that, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. Here's what he's saying. Their worship was selfish. Their worship was selfish. Their worship was selfish. Here's what they were doing. When they showed up, it was all about them. It was not a reflection of their heart. Yeah, it was a reflection of their heart because their heart was selfish. And so it was like when they came there, it was there for them to be seen by others. And when they gathered, see, they, they had the Lord's table a little bit different than I. They, they would have a big, huge meal, normally a potluck meal. And at the end of the potluck is when they would remember the Lord's table. They would take the bread and the cup. And they will remember the sacrifice of Jesus. So there they are for the potluck, this time of coming together as a church in a worshipful manner, and they would just be like, yo, I want that casserole. That's mine. Who cares if you can't get any of it? And it was selfishness. You know, here's the thing. I hear people all the time saying, well, that service really didn't minister to me. Can I tell you, that doesn't say anything about the service. That says everything about that person. Because they came in here with an expectation of, bless me, rather than, Lord, let me be a blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a reflection of the heart. So, worship, it is so wrong to approach worship from a selfish attitude where it's all about you. And it not be about other people. And not be about other people. The other thing I want you to see is that as they were selfish and as they were carrying their grudges, Paul's saying, that is so wrong. But here's what Paul does. This is the wonderful thing about the Bible. The Bible just doesn't tell you what's wrong and that you need to recognize the wrong in your life. The Bible tells you what you need to do. So as the Bible says to you, your attitudes are wrong, it's a reflection of your heart, it's not a deed, it's your heart, it's going to tell you what you need to do to have a right heart. 
It's going to tell you how to approach God. How to worship God. It's going to tell you what you do. See, that's the wonderful thing. God doesn't leave us hanging to try to figure it out on our own. He tries to help you so that you can worship Him properly. So let's notice what the true focus of worship is. Let's look with me. Verse 23. Notice what he says. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. The first thing I want you to notice is this. The Lord tells us how to approach Him. See, I, this is the thing I think is lost in the concept. In our free churches. Do you realize we, we are in Christendom, our church church is in the free church movement. What that means is is that we freely meet together. We don't answer to any denomination. We are our own little autonomous church. We are a free church. And in the free church movement, because of a reaction to the high church, that is, where there's the liturgy and the incense and all this stuff, we do our own thing. And what we've lost in the midst of that, listen to me, what we've lost in the midst of it is... An understanding of how to approach God. An understanding of how to approach God. And so here's what Paul's doing. He does it with reference to the table. He says, what I am going to tell you, I receive from the Lord Himself. These are instructions from God as to how you are to approach me in worship. See, when you come here, it's just not willy-nilly. It's just not based upon what side of the bed you woke up in the morning. When you come here, you need to come with the right attitude and the right approach to Him. Now let me just stop for a moment because immediately you start thinking, well, what's He going to start doing? Is He going to have to start saying we've got to stand at a certain point, sit down at a certain point, kneel at a certain point, that kind of thing? That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, that's just called religion. When Jesus talks about, when the Lord talks about, when Paul talks about here, about that the, the, the Lord tells us how to approach Him, He's talking about how our heart should be as we approach Him. Listen to what he says in John chapter 4. This is from Jesus' discussion with the Samaritan woman. And the question was raised, where should we worship, in Jerusalem or in Samaria? And Jesus said this in John chapter 4, verse 23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father, listen, in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such, listen to this, to worship Him. This is how God wants us to approach Him. He wants us to approach Him with an attitude that we are seeking to worship Him in spirit. What does that mean? My heart's right. I'm not carrying grudges. I'm not in it for myself. I'm not selfish. And in truth, I'm going to worship Him in truth. What kind of truth? The truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of the cross. See, my attitude is going to be reflected. And see, and this, notice what Jesus said. And these are the ones that God is seeking. This is the kind of worship He's seeking from us. He's not seeking how well we can sing that song. And see, Jesus is seeking, God is seeking worshipers who are going to worship Him with the right spirit. In the spirit, that is meaning the spirit of God, controlling you, leading you. And in truth, the truth of His word. Specifically, the truth of His word with reference to the cross. See, see, this is the thing. If you want to talk about worship, worship starts with you looking at yourself. How am I approaching you, God? How am I approaching you? And listen, if you came in here today and there are issues between you and someone else, you're not approaching them right. 
If you came in here today and you've got an attitude towards somebody because of who they are and what they're not and maybe what group of people they're from or, or their social economic status or whatever and, and maybe they're on relief and you work or, or whatever, all of these different things, maybe it's because of who they vote for and what bumper sticker they have on their vehicle. You didn't enter in here with the right heart. That's not worship. That's not the right spirit. We've got to approach him with the spirit of truth. So then, notice something. What is it about? Verse 24 and 25. He goes through the elements of the table, and he's basically telling us what worship is all about. Worship, notice what he says there. Our worship is about Jesus' sacrifice for us. Worship is about Jesus' sacrifice for us. Let me just stop for a moment. You cannot let this point pass you by. You and I have got to start grasping the reality of our salvation in our lives. We've got to start grasping the reality of our salvation. And when you grasp that He has been so good to us and we don't deserve it, that He has saved us and set us on a new path, and that even if we do wrong, He forgives us and gives us another chance and a hope, that's going to have to be reflected in a heart that is so... That just shows so much gratitude towards Him. Lord, Lord, I don't deserve it, but You love me. I don't understand it, but You love me and I love You. You see my point? See, worship has to be focused on the cross. Worship's not focused on, boy, I hope He gets me out of here so I can watch the golf game or, or gets me out of here so we can make it to the restaurant before everybody else takes all the food from the buffet. Do you know what I mean? We come in here with the wrong attitudes. The attitude needs to be focused on the one who died for you. See, worship is about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's not about whether or not you like the song Brad picked. It's not about this, that, or another. It's about your heart. Thanking Him for His sacrifice. See, that's what the true attitude of worship is. And listen, let me just stop for a moment. Let's go back to that issue of when... If it's selfish or if it's carrying grudges. See, if your focus is on self or if you're harboring stuff against someone else, that just pushes Jesus out of your heart. He says, you mean I'm losing myself? No, that's not what I'm saying. But your focus is no longer on Christ. Your focus is on self. And listen, worship is putting Him on the throne, not yourself. Worship is putting Him on the throne, not yourself. The other thing I want you to see there, and look at with me at verse 26. This is interesting. I had to think about this for a moment. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, so as often as you engage in this outward flow of worship, here's what it says, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. Here's what I gathered from that. Our worship reflects what we believe. Our worship reflects what we believe. The Lord's table, when we partake in the Lord's table, it reflects that we believe that He died for us, but that He's coming back. That's what Paul is saying there. Listen, my friends, your worship... When you come in here and you worship, and I'm not talking about the quality of the music. Let's just forget that. Let's get that out of our mind for a moment. But your attitude as you come, it is a reflection of what you truly believe. And if you don't believe, it will be reflected. And listen, here's the thing. We can pull the wool over anybody's eyes. We can snow you under. Every one of you, you didn't realize it, but you've earned a master's degree. But there's one person you can't snow. God. Men look on the outward appearance. 
But what? God looks on the heart. Isn't that what he told Samuel? God looks on our heart. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week. <laughs>